and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 90-9-0. And it's probably, you know, good that I'm joined by a couple of guys that haven't been on for about 70 episodes. Rejoined by Jay Gatsby and Annie, aka FI Great, who are on episodes 4 and 19 together. So they've returned as a twosome for the third time, which is pretty amazing. Oh, Jay, how are you doing, man? Clarify, you know, this whole twosome, threesome. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to make sure. But no, I feel good. It's crazy to think that it's 90 episodes, man. It's a big up to you, man. Um, well done for keeping this going. And yeah, just Thank you, man. honored to be back again. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I wasn't trying to uh, allude to the fact that Jay and Annie are together in any form of way other than, the, than a friendship and a and an FI professional ship. Annie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I was getting slightly worried by the tone with, with which we started the podcast. But Two you know. sims, three sims. You didn't know where I was going, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it's, uh, it's good to be back. Uh, it's good to always come on and, and chat and catch up on you know things going, all things uh, football index. Look, having two Nigerians on for the third time is good. So at least you have a, a yeah, set of Nigerians who are doing something right. Huh? So, one way <laughs> so, so yeah, always there. Yeah. And uh, as Jay said, I think uh, when you first started this off, uh, to see how how far down the line you've come, I think you're you're doing something great. So yeah, kudos. Thank you very much, man. And I, I wouldn't have been able to do it without guys like you uh, who who are willing to take out an hour or two out of their time right at the beginning. But um, well, before we get into more miscellaneous bullshit, I just need to remind you guys that the YouTube channel is is still popping uh three and a half thousand uh subscribers there which has been amazing thanks so much for your support guys i just uploaded a video uh, how to avoid pump and dumps and explaining what they are because obviously that's kind of been in the fi news and the fi community a little bit if you guys have already subscribed please do leave a review there's over 100 now and it's it's great reading all of those so, so we'll start off with a lot of miscellaneous questions because as always you guys are a very uh charismatic character should we say on the timeline um scott law i don't know if you know this guy uh, Jay, how did Jean-Pierre end up in Aberdeen, my home city? And why hasn't he set up an FI trader club up there yet? Yeah, probably just because it's going to be another twosome. But um, <laughs> I think I was actually pleasantly surprised to find out that he was here. Because to some degree, I have tried to like get the word out, at least in the office. And I know like I've got a few mates, like one of my mates who dropped like £500 in 2016 or 2017. And he checked it like a couple months ago and it was like, oh my days. And ended up like telling people at work. So a few people are interested in it. How much was he up? He was up, I swear, because he bought a lot of Salah when he was still like oh, £3 wow. old money because he's a Liverpool fan. And I think he was on a 1,005, 1,006 or something. No, that's not too bad, not bad at all, man. Leaving your sort of account dormant for like two and a half years. So, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I mean, I've got Scott's handle now. So Scott, don't worry. We'll probably grab a... A cheeky Brewdog Unlimited Wings on a Wednesday sometime. <laughs> That's the pinnacle of what you can do in Aberdeen on a weekday night. When in Aberdeen, yeah, right? They are decent, actually. F.I. Bruce Wayne, our uh, very own Batman, who you two know very, very well, don't you? Uh, should they bring back the Trader of the Month competition, which you guys... Uh... Are kind of famous for in the in the <laughs> for everyone who has been on football index for long enough. You two were always at the top. Well, I've got the yeah, I think given the size of the market now and the number of players and the fact that we've just had a share split, bringing it back would be absolute madness. Uh, just uh, <laughs> the volume of trades you get. Just the competition, you know, everybody, I just remember, like, people just buy people just to stay top, not because they actually wanted to make a profit on anyone. Look, I don't see any reason why not. Um, it's another thing to 
to get people more engaged on the on the platform. We enjoyed it while it was there. It was an additional source of cash for people. I think I ended up winning like a thousand two hundred pounds, and because at the time uh, Ross was absolutely untouchable, uh, he was the king of the market, and I think I had to settle for second place for two weeks, and then after that it was easy dominating the market. You know, so yeah, look, uh, bring it back. Uh, we'll jump on it and uh, we'll have some fun. You know, trying to be trade of the world. Uh, funny enough, my picture, my background is still. Um, my two trophies so anyone who is in doubt who the king of the market is go on my page <laughs> me I've got two, two trophies too so uh, okay um, so you anyway not, not trying to... <laughs> <laughs> I hear what Annie says I don't really think I mean unless you want to like significantly reduce the life expectancy of Nicola Tash and Stuart be <laughs> collating all this data I don't see how it's going to work, to be honest. It's just a lot more because it, it was what you buy, the number of the futures you bought, and yeah, the it was volume just, of people, uh, 10 million or some random scores just went so like, oh, but we, yeah, it, I don't know. I don't <laughs> think it would um, work as well. But I am glad that it, it sort of did happen because I've got, and when I invite people over, oh, what's that? Yes, um, yeah, one uh, trader of the month. Uh, you trade? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I dabble and this and that. Football players, it's great. You know, it makes me come across as more charismatic and intelligent than I actually am. So, thank you for calling that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we'll move on straight to the next question. Advunculus Index. I'm going out on a dinner date tonight and can't decide which color socks to wear. Should I just go with my gut instinct and abandon the socks and wear a bowler hat instead? Yeah, I think he sent that on Tuesday, so he's probably already been on the date. Hopefully, it didn't flop. Mm. Um, but maybe for the next time i mean the fact that you're asking what to wear probably already shows you shouldn't maybe be going on a date but hey i don't really judge but i don't really have an answer to that to be honest but i always say just like they say on love island mate go you go can never get you wrong you can never go wrong <laughs> yep go with your gods you might be in the dubit society <laughs> oh god it's getting too love island isn't it already uh, the secret fi trader this is probably more uh we're, we're veering back onto sensibility now i think which currently active footballer do you think would perform the best as a trader on the football index yeah i wasn't sure what i, was, I wasn't sure about this was it like if he was a trader who performed the best yeah yeah like who currently who still plays on the pitch would be the best fi trader i think i know who kill it he might not make you like if you thought, like, say, in a year you wanted, uh, say, excellent, like a messy trader, it's sort of that level, you say, well, say, like, a 300% in a year. It won't give you 300%, but I can bet your bottom dollar, he won't give you less than 200%. Jim he... Milner, <laughs> Mr. Consistency, wherever he is, he's going to bang in those profits, wherever he signs up. He would, what's it called, you know, make quite a lot of profit on. on a but, guy who's who can give you an 8 out of 10 at everything, right? So it's exactly. just general logic that he'd be an 8 out of 10 on exactly. FI. Yeah. Doesn't have to be at the top, but he would smash yeah, it up. Yeah, I see him raking in dividends while he's doing his laundry, that's for sure. That kind of player. Jay, Jay, any thoughts there? For me, it's very difficult to kind of actually pinpoint maybe any player, but if you've got, you know, players that kind of look like good football but you see their social media and they don't know how to dress or just don't look like they actually make any money i think those are the kind of guys you probably want on the index they'd probably make you like hella cash but personally anyone who's like robbie fowler or was like robbie fowler like someone like robbie fowler i think especially with the way he's making his money and property definitely the kind of guy that would have done mm. well on football index i don't really know these players 
personally not. Yeah, I would have said that. Is Fowler still playing? Who Fowler? No, he's not. He's not. He's not, man. I think I think Annie wins this round. Who would I say? I don't know. Like I would have said Peter Cech before he retired because he's smart as hell. Actually, I've got. Oh shit, he's retired as well. But Murtasaka, I would have given. Yeah, damn, this is really annoying. He's smart. He's smart as well. He looks like he knows what he's doing. Especially, that's all I've got anyway. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Um, Tell you a player who wouldn't do well Neymar, probably flop. <laughs> and it, which is ironic because it probably makes you the most money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, do you know who's actually quite smart? Uh, come to think of it now, Juan Mata, he set up that like quite good uh, charity as well, didn't he? And I think he might actually have a degree. So. I mean, that doesn't make you smart, but, you know, there's a couple of things there that he's done that make him seem smart. Whether or not he'd be, you know, able to be trader of the month or not is, uh, is another story, isn't it? How do you think Harry Kane will do? Gary Cahill? No, Harry Kane. Oh, Harry Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. i tell you what I gave my money to. Mario Balotelli. <laughs> He'll be the king of the pumps and dumps, baby. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All oh, right. Well, we'll move on to something slightly more serious. And I think Annie, you've got a, a lot to say on the on this subject. Um, there wasn't any questions from anyone in the uh, in the community because this has only happened like today. What do you guys think of the the Robin thing? Obviously, he's retired today. Fi took the instant sell away completely for the first time I've ever seen happen, um, which was interesting to say the, the least. Uh, Annie, I think well, I know I'm you've got some strong thoughts on this. i on this topic uh, because FI have uh, literally taken my summer bonus away just in a second's flash. <laughs> so I'm still a bit heartbroken by it. But uh, look, I get the logic. I understand uh, you know, you're placing bets on the player's future. And if the player has retired, he clearly has no future. <laughs> so, so I get it. But <laughs> Firstly, I think the rules have been changed. And I mean, as a trader, it's your responsibility, I know, to read the TNCs. And initially, when we joined the platform, I believe the rule was that every August, uh, you know, every season, they would go up and clean up the list of players and remove people who have retired or whatever reason, you know, people went not play football anymore. And I've just read today that it's been changed to the next day. I mean, like, Okay, fine, next day, but you've also removed the instant sell immediately. So effectively, you're, it's, it's not actually the next day. It's mm. as soon as the news arrives, you know, and yeah, and, you know, it's... Fastest finger first, I, man. I, as I said, I, I get the logic of it, but at the same time, you, you have to also consider the PR and the adverse effect that it might have. I mean, I would open my eyes now and put money into, say, like Daniel Alves now. Uh, people will be wary to put money into players like Ronaldo. I mean, people are already ageist on the market. Anyone who is over 24 is not getting bought just because of the fear of uh, (laughs) people retiring. I mean, it's left, obviously, because I I own quite a bit of Robert. It's left a a bit of a sour taste uh, in my mouth. But I don't think it's the best way in terms of inspiring confidence in people joining, particularly new members. I mean, I've been on the index for almost three years now, and I've made quite so a lot of profit that this, this Robert doesn't really affect me. But I can't imagine someone who has just joined the platform 
you know, say, say yes, they're looking for a cheap player. Oh, mm. I'm going to put my money to Robert. Probably puts all his money to Robert, and then bang, your money is zero within a second. For me, I don't, I don't think it's the best way to go about it. That's my opinion. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Just as Anya said, I see, I see where it's coming from. And to be fair, it is a risky bet. You know, he left Bayern Munich. He's 35. And there's always that chance that he's going to retire. I mean, I'm saying that and I've got 900 recovery futures, so I don't really know. I don't really know if I, I don't really know if I'm if I should even be saying what I'm saying. But yeah, it's it's a difficult one. That's why sometimes, especially when you trade in players like that, you really have to be your finger has to be on the pulse, really, because you know news you know news is quick. And I feel sorry for those who've kind of like lost their money on him, but it's very difficult to kind of look at it from football index's point of view and expect them to do anything different. Maybe provide 20, maybe maybe 24 hours notice potentially, but yeah, it's a difficult one. You'd like to hope anyone who's investing in a player that old doesn't have sort of huge sums of money in them anyway. And that being said, even when the instant sell was taken off, I still saw some people buying. So you just got all sorts of people on the index. and I I just couldn't understand that, Mm. but yeah, it's probably not right, but, I can understand football index's sort of stance on it and I wouldn't necessarily argue with it too much personally. Yeah, I think this is very much the um probably the influence of people kind of at the top of FI who are trying to be a bit more stringent with the purses, who are trying to make sure that, that the kind of books are all right and make sure that the profit margins are large enough. But at the same time you have to balance that with kind of customer loyalty and retention. And I think I'm reading something SG put here on Twitter. Uh, he said it's fair and the easiest way to make it consistent, but he said the extra money that they would make from it being 0p rather than, say, 5p or 10p is tiny. So if they wanted to be generous and make it look a bit better to traders, it wouldn't cost them much. So I think if I have to look at it and say, look, can we maybe... Because at the end of the day, I don't think that many people would have instant sold Robin at, say, a 20% spread and then withdrawn. Like, I don't think they would have done that. So. From an FI market standpoint, it might have actually been okay for them to bite their tongues on the you know few hundred quid that they lose to one you know maintain that customer loyalty and retention factor and then make sure that the, that money goes back into the market. But at the same time, you know for them it's kind of like just taking away sure, clean sure. profit, isn't it? So it, for them it's kind of like us winning dividends <laughs> in a way. And I do think if you if you buy someone like. Robin, you're betting on high odds, if that makes sense. You're very much putting uh, money down on a 30 to 1 bet, if that makes sense. So I, I do see both sides. And Annie, you kind of like opened my eyes a little bit because going into it, I think we had a chat, a bit of a back and forth before the show started about how, you know, I was kind of saying, I get it, it's they're retiring. And you were saying, but on the other hand, if a guy pisses off and, and his mates were kind of like had deep pockets, then maybe you've just stopped or soiled a plan to maybe acquire user after user or that person's friend's friend if that makes sense yes, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a tough balance for FI this just happened but uh, have you seen the spread on Danny Alves? 19. no I have not again I don't blame them too much on like an individual case if you look at Danny Alves he currently doesn't have a club he is 36 I kind of get that spread and it's not like it's you know, 10p, it's, I guess yeah. it's, it's like 20%. I mean, I, I mean it's if, not, if that's been on for... It's for, not as bad uh, as it could be, I mean, right? You know, I, I get it. If that's just happened uh, happened now, um, then uh, it's not... It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a nice 
warning signal to people <laughs> to stay away because, I mean, if you see that sort of spread on, <laughs> I mean, it's just 47p and you have a 90 spread, that's quite a steeper risk you're taking if no one else wants to buy and Daniel Alvarez uh, decides winning Copa America is, is the highlight of his career and he doesn't want to do anymore. But yeah, look, I love the platform. Uh, I've been on it for time now. I've made shitloads of money, money I never thought I would make on, on the platform. Uh, I mean, this is one of those things you just have to accept. I didn't mean that said, uh, Byron Robin without a club after he had had so, such bad injuries. I think it was out for like three, four months uh, last season. Uh, so it was a risky buy. I, I hoped uh, whoever wrote the article that you were enjoying Leicester, um, I forgive you. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's all it is. <laughs> yeah. mm. I think talking a little bit more about what FI could and can't do, Daily, who you guys both know quite well, what should FI do to combat organised pump and dump? This is one that I really, really enjoyed in, over the last seven days. Kalen Hines, Kalen Hines, Kalen Hines, I can't remember. Um, former Arsenal, yeah. Arsenal youth player, I think got released by Wolfsburg or something. And I just remember waking up and seeing this guy mm. fly. I went on Twitter trying to find like if there was any news on him online. I was like, why is this guy flying? Like, you know what I mean? Like, did Real Madrid sign him or something? I was like, I couldn't understand. And, you know, effectively <laughs> found out that it was a pump. And I think fair play to sort of RC and a few of the guys for highlighting it to Football Index. The spread that was slapped on it. Oh my goodness, sweet Jesus. It was just lovely to see. <laughs> but again, I was saying though, Jay, like could have been bigger, the spread wasn't even as big as it yeah. could have. Yeah, but the spread didn't, like if you were at the beginning of the pump, so if you were the guy pumping, yeah. you could have still sold an instant sold for profit. So I thought FI covered, you know, quite no, a few no, bases right. there, I mean, but they really cover all it, four. Maybe, maybe the people that actually even <laughs> got bit by with those who saw the trending table and decided to buy and then might have been innocent sort of bystanders and effect effectively had to had to lose the money. Like it's very difficult to be able to really for FI to be able to monitor, you know, in terms of a trading pattern, what is a pump and dump. You know, you could use the criteria of, you know, mm. many people buying a player at once, but that could be a transfer rumor. So you couldn't automate it. So it would then have to be I mean, I I mean this is maybe me talking as with my sort of simple mind. But in many ways, it's more of a case of, you know, just increasing the spreads on them. Because in my mind, if you're not planning to pump that player, you're planning to hold them long term, then you should be confident enough at some point you should be able to sell to market, right? So for me, that seems to be like the sort of nice quick way to do it. It's suspending accounts and, and closing accounts. You know, you could eventually get the majority of the culprits, but you could also catch some innocent people in there as well who just thought there was a rise and went for it anyway. So I think the spreads probably the sort of in the interim the, the best way to do it, and I mean ridiculous spreads like they put on Heinz and maybe even higher than that. Interesting views. Mm. Uh, I'm slightly, I'm not for. Uh, I need to be careful here. I'm not for pumping and. What are you about I'm not for pumping and dumping, <laughs> right? But what? Look, we are trying to create a platform that mirrors what a stock market is like. Yes or no? That that's what we are trying to create. And, and the fact is, on whether you're looking at the LSE or the NS, uh, the, yeah. the, the stock exchange in New York or in my country, Nigeria, there are these pumps and dumps. It's just part of a market, right? We're not trying to create a perfect, holy platform where everybody is 
I don't want to say playing by the rules because you're not really breaking any rules. At the end of the day, everybody knows. No one knew who this Heinz guy was or what he had ever done apart from on that day. And so if anyone, you, I have no sympathy for anyone who lost money on these pumps because you know that there are no fundamentals. If you want to be investing or based on the trajectory of the player and their potential, you wouldn't be jumping on someone you have absolutely no clue about. Like you wouldn't just jump on the player like that. And so if you lost money, I have no sympathy for you. But on the, on the flip side, I, I think FI shouldn't get too involved in this. This is just my opinion because these things happen on markets. And if you're foolish enough to jump on because other people have decided to, you know, we want to rise this player and you lose money, I have no sympathy for you. You can, I mean, if FI con- decide to continue to, to increase spreads, yes, that's an adequate mitigant for this kind of things to prevent people from doing this kind of things. But as you said, did they go for mm. what would have been ideal is to take his price down to zero if you if if you really wanted to go the hard way to ensure that I mean, or take it back to twenty p, which I think his price was at. If you really want to make a hard line stance on the pumps and dumps, but personally, I don't think FI should get too involved or too worried about that. People just need to be wise. Like you clearly know it's a pump and dump. So if you're not willing to take the risk, why 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 buy? Why would you just buy a player who has just been released? First of all, he's just been released. Clearly, he has no future <laughs> at that very moment. Like it's the same thing yeah. as the, as the <laughs> or as at the least Robin. his future is uh, is not. This bright. guy has no what's it called, and I chose to put my money in. And clearly now it's, it's clear that <laughs> he's retiring. So I can't really cry. Yes, I, I can complain and whine, but that's the risk I took. So if you're doing the same thing for a player who has just been released and you're happy to ride and die by pump and dump, then that's your business. And don't complain when the people who have done it and got on and they decide to get out and you're and you're burnt. Like I just think that it's just part of sorry if I'm going on and on, but I just think it's first of all it's it there is an element of excitement to that because you I mean look <laughs> at the amount of conversations that's gone on about this and interactions. So it does raise the profile of if I makes them excited for certain people. Right. So that's the first thing and that's what makes other stock markets interesting for other people. In this case, everybody has available information for what is going on in transfers, at football clubs and all. So you have no excuse. You have no excuse to not know when something is a pump and dump. My opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think there's a couple things here, right? I think FI probably looked at this and say, if we don't nip this in the bud now, what are we going to be like when we have a million users? How much bigger are those pump and dump groups going to be? And then suddenly you've got a Caelan Hines going not to 70p, but to £1.50 or whatever. And then that's when things get a bit silly and people could stand to lose a lot of money. And then we go back to that kind of customer retention and trust thing where if someone comes onto the platform, they buy like a rising asset because that's what people most commonly do, whether you're buying stocks or Bitcoin or something on FI or whatever, or you're placing a bet, it's a bet that loads of people, loads of other people are placing. So I kind of sympathize with with new users and I sympathize with FI's stance on trying to, because I don't think they're trying to punish pump and dumpers. Well, they clearly kind of are to some extent with the banning of accounts, but I think their priority and their prerogative is to kind of protect those new users who could, as I said, you know, with that network effect, know people that have a lot of money or they might have a lot of money themselves that they might want to put into this thing. So I think there's 
there's so many different things here, I think. Um, and, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how this evolves, whether or not people are going to still try and pump and dump so kind of obviously as we saw with the, the kind yeah, of WhatsApp yeah. groups and, and we, whatnot. We can go on but, um, uh, unless we've got any other thoughts on this <laughs> one, guys, we'll move on. <laughs> Forever, I think, yeah. Um, Radio, uh, we've got a question from All Clued Up or Leo FT. What do you look That's for a in a player question. when you're uh, going for actually, a long-term hold? Considering I don't normally tend to hold players long-term as part of my training strategy over time, it's a very interesting one for me. However, I was having a look at some of the data recently, especially in, in the last year of players who have actually like appreciated um, by a lot. Sort of top players, I can mention the sort of top three, Callum Hudson, Adoy, Declan Rice, Morgan Gibbs-White. Um, these are players that are appreciated by about between 600 and 700% in the space of a year. Now, for me, it, it sort of tends to show that the market for me seems to be more focused to some degree on potential versus dividends, if that makes any sense. Normally, what I would look for in a player for a long-term hold, especially before the start of the season, is actually how much do I think they can get in dividends between now and next year. And that's obviously based on performance, for example. So, you know, you'd be thinking about your, you know, players like Madison, how's he going to do this year? You know, Pepe or Bruno Fernandes, if he moves, can they replicate that form? And you'd expect it to be dividend-based because at least that gives you a fixed rate of return on investment. You know, okay, no matter what happens to the price, I know I'm going to get this. And if you eventually are right based on the dividends you're going to win, you're also going to get that capital appreciation. Now, that's how you would do it, but... I did find myself last year trading long-term on youth players who I did think had the potential to improve, even though they have not actually proven themselves in any way. After missing out on Sancho, you know, Reese Nelson, Callum Hudson-Odoi, those were two players I owned, maybe not for the whole year, but the appreciation was crazy. So I think this question for me is kind of like twofold in terms of what I think the right way to go about it should be. And then you find out that sometimes in order to make money, you have to think like the market. And I think the market is definitely heavily focusing on potential over dividends. And I think just finding the right balance between the two um, will probably be the sort of composite strategy I would again take going into the coming season. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I agree with most of what you have said. Yeah, it's looking at the... Um... Add, if anyone who has been listening... And following all the names that he's mentioned, you will find one common factor. And not just potential, but it looks like the market attributes uh, quite a hefty premium to young English talent. So everyone is mentioned, uh, Nelson, your Hutton uh, O'Doys, your, uh, who else did you mention? Um, Morgan Gibbs-White. Morgan Gibbs-White, your Madisons, uh, Jordan Sancho, Wamisaka. Anyone who is English and has talent, uh, if you're patient, I think you would see yourself in profit over time. And the one thing you cannot discount is just going your gut. Um, there are other players that um, haven't seen the sort of rises you have seen with the players we've just mentioned. But again, just holding them over time sees you making quite hefty profits. Uh, I mean, someone like uh, another one is... Um, uh, Tasha Noke Booth. I held him for so long, so long. I lost patience. And if I had held him till date, I think I probably would have been like, I think about three times uh, my, my investment. Uh, same thing with uh, Johnny Buller, uh, someone I was trying to get Jay to buy as well. The same thing. When I first bought him, he was 60p old money. 
So that's 20p now. I think he's about, <laughs> uh, I think he's about 60p now. So that's again three times. So with some of these guys, as long as you, you, you know, you have a gut feel for them and there's yeah. some potential there, over time the market rewards rewards you for your patience, uh, and that's something I find really difficult uh, <laughs> to do. Just be patient. Uh, just before the season uh, ended, mm. I think I had like 700 of Harry Maguire's at when it was still around one pound. Uh, one pound is that old money? No, sorry, one pound new money, and. I sold, I mean, no, no, it wasn't going anywhere. I think I sold after like a month or so. And now he's like 2 220 or something like that. Uh, I think 224, whatever it is. So just being patient sometimes is just the, the best thing you can do to yourself on the index. Uh, Jay has mentioned the, the guy up in Aberdeen that put 500 quid into football index and just left it. And it comes back a year or two afterwards and his one has gone up three times. I wish I did that because when you compare the effort I put in to get the <laughs> the times three versus what he's done, I, th- I think he's that method of just being patient, finding the player you think is valid and just being patient with them over time. I think he pays. Mm. And I think um, the thing that is kind of backing up both your, not theories, but both your points is that people are more and more looking at that path to potential dividends and every little thing that's being done People are looking more towards that. So we just talked about kind of like Robin and Danny Alves. Now FI has been longer enough around that we've seen these like likes of these big players, you know, retire. And we've seen the likes of the Zlatans go to America, the Roonies go to America, you know. Football was so transient. If you think about, you know, when we first started, the Buzz Kings were Neymar, Zlatan, Rooney, and only one of them is still kind of standing. You know, Ronaldo wasn't really doing much on the MB side of things. So it is crazy to me to think, I, I always think kind of like, you know, when order books come in, will there be enough movement in the market? Will it be transient enough for prices to go up and down so that FI make enough money on the commission side? And I just have to rewind three years or two years to think like, who were the big guys then and who are the big guys now? You know, you've got Sancho and Mbappe who weren't, we're in the dad's ball sacks at that point. So it's, uh, it's one of those things that you kind of have to take a step back to some point. But um, I think it's, it's time to talk about our data section now, which kind of runs on quite nicely from this. From the football MDJ, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago, is pretty good. In your opinion, which price point has the most value at the moment? Sub a pound, the one to two pound middle ground, or the big hitters at two pound plus? And I'll give you, give you a nice stat here, guys. According to the Buzz Pro Advanced Price Movement Report from uh, Index Gain. From the 20th of June to this date, on players that have riven, risen the most amount from a pound, from a capital standpoint, the top 10 are all in the 80 to £1.20 range. That's an interesting is that, one. Is that kind of interesting to you guys, considering a lot of people are talking about the very bottom end? It's an interesting one because you you got your top players like your Pogba's, your, your Neymar's, who I would say probably, again, I haven't looked at the data, but will probably be the ones who have probably given you the most dividends. But I think because of the nature of the summer being very speculative, as far as the media is concerned, I think that price point for me probably makes sense because it's kind of like middle of the market, players who have not maybe got that much traction until they're linked with a you know news report or whatever and all of a sudden eventually fly. I'm not sure it's going to look the same once the season starts, but I think because it's such a speculative market, you know, everyone who's looking at this period of time is looking to make some profit, especially through capital appreciation. And 
if rumors drive that price, I can understand why maybe they are the ones who are appreciating the most. The lower rated players, I mean, a lot of the sub one players are really sort of like hit and miss in terms of, you know, you might find one there who maybe no one may have heard of who eventually gets linked with a big club and then flies. But you would tend to imagine that most of the players at the moment who are looking to pining for a move or who have had a good season with their clubs and will potentially be moving on to bigger things will probably fall within that 80 to 120 range. And you probably find out that with players who have already gone past that range, um, they may have already been linked, especially on the media side anyway, would have probably been linked with clubs earlier. So a lot of people, again, psychologically might feel they've missed the boat as far as that's concerned. And also just as a final point, I think also obviously the summer madness may have also played a part in this, you know, People who are looking to get the sort of bonus, looking for players who they can buy, who still make sense, but may not necessarily have to wait to market sell them and will be looking to sort of instant sell them, thinking that they would obviously gain enough in capital appreciation to still be able to instant sell them at the profit. So I think all those factors maybe play a part in why you're seeing that um, massive growth in that bracket, as opposed to kind of like a really low end or a really high end. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's difficult to, I haven't dissected the data to the level that uh, they do on that platform. Uh, so I, I don't, it's difficult to see where the best value is in the market. Uh, you wake up tomorrow morning and Neymar has gone up ATP. And next day, someone else who has gone in the higher brackets above 5P has gone up, you know, another 60P. You, you never know what drives people's thinking. But as Jay alluded to, I think, one, the summer bandits bonus might have played a part in the appreciations we saw. A lot of people are joining the platform now. They might see that section of the market as a balance between hedging their risk and going for players who have the potential to rise and have no reason yet. I mean, it could, it could be anything. The other factor is come end of August, I think. That's when uh, the media buzz opens up to the whole market. and uh, People might be looking at it and saying, ah, I need to plan ahead. Um, if players in the squad have the same, now have the same potential to win the, the media balls as a player in um, player like Pogba or Neymar, even if they don't have the same uh, likelihood, single media balls for a player who is 50 or 80p, um, the returns you get on that versus a player who is 7p, I think the, the, the math is clear to see. So, I mean... There are lots of things that could be driving people's behaviors. It's, it's difficult to lay your hand on, you know, one factor that decides or, you know, the price point being where, you know, where the best value is. Maybe it's just the pound psychological mark. And I'm conscious that we haven't really discussed uh, Mel's question here. Sub pound, the one to two pound or the middle ground or the big hitters that are two pound plus. Well, I think we've talked about it on the podcast quite a few times recently, though, that the guys that are kind of like in the five to seven pound bracket, they are three to four times more expensive or five times more expensive than the guys that are like two pounds or a pound, but they're going to return way more than four or five pound times the dividends. So that that's kind of an interesting way to look at the value. On the other hand, there are going to be a few of those guys between one pound and two pound or whatever that I think are going to probably double, triple throughout the season which is going to be really interesting to watch. So I think maybe looking at yourself and saying, I'm probably going to go for a mixture of those strategies. I'm going to go 
if you're looking at like the whole of the index. I'm going to go for some steady dividend returners, but then look at the guys who might do 2x, 3x in the next year. Yeah, it's interesting. I was just going to quickly just add just a quick, quick um, looking at the sort of index gain, you know, report. Last sort of 60 days, right, you can see the dividends are staying again with those top players, your Pogba's, your Neymar's, your Hazard's, Wambisaka's, etc. But when you look at the rises in that same time, just like you said, the highest ones especially have been within the players between sort of 80 to 120, with significant rises coming from players who played in the under-21 tournament as well, hmm. which that, that actually surprised me. Again, that wasn't even something I even saw as worth monitoring but it's interesting <laughs> that you know the three top players i can see here you know yanis haggy yeah he's gone up sort of 74p in the last 60 days which is absolutely insane and you've got um, a few other sort of players who played in the in that period so it's interesting you know again you would expect it to be based on dividends which would mean you really want the sort of top rank players the sort of plus two you would expect those to go up but again, it's that psychology of the market not really chasing dividends, but more so capital appreciation. And I don't know if it's sort of based on anything sort of empirical, but it's just the way the market's going at the moment and the data mm. showing that. And, and the other thing I will also add to that, you also need to factor in the spread as well. So if you a player went up 70, and this whole thing about chasing capital appreciation, if a Neymar went up 70p, and you saw that appreciation, the, the likelihood of you making a significant actual profit after you've sold is pretty slim. But when you're going to that mid-range or, I don't know, uh, sub-70, sorry, sub-pound or just above a pound, uh, the spreads are a lot lower, which means that any appreciation you see, you're more likely to, to realize uh, quite a healthy gain. And so that might be also be playing into people's minds. So, I mean, which is why, go back to the point, it's really difficult to lay your hands on you know, why, you know, where the value is. And it also depends on what strategy. I mean, I don't know, it depends on what strategy you are, you're going after. If you are going for dividends, your, your guys at the top in terms of PBN and your performance boards and your media boards are more, are more likely to use your return, but you just mm-hmm. have to be patient over a longer period of time. Uh, if you're looking to be able to appreciate and move on to the next player, you want to remain liquid, then you're sub one, one pound and around that section is, is where you want to be. So mm, difficult mm. to see. Mm, yeah, it, it really is difficult to say. And we've got a question next from Stanford the Lion that's that's going to talk a lot about that. But before that, I just need to thank the guys over at Index Gain. Great player research tool uh, offers a lot of stuff though, such as the you know portfolio monitoring, price move notifications, the latest transfer news, and all that good stuff. And you can use uh, Fig twenty twenty for fifty percent off your first month over on uh, IndexGain.co.uk. So uh, another fresh code for you guys if you want to try index gain out um for a month 50 percent off and then uh, see if you see if you like it stanford's question was so long though that he had to put it in notes so he said uh, <laughs> it sounds like stanford the obsession with capital appreciation has recently been interpreted with significant money going into very low price players this has continued long beyond the share split. Traders seem more than happy in many cases to buy what I would class as complete and utter garbage, largely following the narrative that these trades represent low risk and high reward. And then in bold, he says, why do you think trading in very low price players is so popular? And do you think there is a risk that the bottom section of the market is largely built on a house of cards? 
A penny for my thoughts. I think perceived value versus perceived risk lies at the heart of this. Perceived value is very subjective, but I think nowadays it's clear that on the index, the biggest contributing factor to perceived value is who traders think other traders will buy. So why is it that traders think that others think cheap represents value? That's beyond me. But that very notion is the main driver giving rise to much of the trading amongst cheap players and therefore gives them a perceived value. Perceived risk lower down, I don't think is fully understood. Exposure to pump and dumps, lack of share ownership depth, the lack of dividend potential, monetary falls not being translated to percentage terms, perceived safety in a growing market, question mark. So there's a lot to unpack there, guys. But I think what I want to start by talking about, let's talk. Sorry, let's what, go. What, what does Stanford do, please? What does he do? Yes. <laughs> what do you mean in, in terms of job? Yes, I mean, the amount of detail is going into that question. Uh, By this question, he, he sounds like a rocket scientist, <laughs> but I, I, I won't reveal his actual profession. Uh, um, yeah, for obvious reasons. I think the one thing that I want to start by is that thing I quite like that he talks about there is the kind of depth that bigger players have. And yes. it takes a lot for some of the big players to fall and also that price anchoring that I think Soccer Index talked quite well well about in a couple episodes ago. He talked about how, you know, if a player gets to £1.20 and then drops, if they go from 60p to £1.20, they're very unlikely to go back to 60p because the price has been anchored as, oh, they've gone to £1.20, they might get back up there again. So when they fall back to like a pound or 90p, someone takes the risk saying, oh, they're, they're below their all-time high. So if you think about that in a kind of compounding effect up and up a price, then it becomes a situation where there does have a lot of depth and there's a lot of people willing to kind of take that bet on a player when they do fall below a certain price point. And we've seen that with, you know, Neymar and kind of the allegations that happened with him. He dropped to 650 and I, I was in a lot of group chats where a lot of people were like, right, I'm going, I'm going in below 630. I'm going in, I'm going in. And then suddenly he bounced at 650 because there were a lot of people other, you know, personally and, and other points of communities talking about, okay, 640 is the place, 645, 650. And, you know, we're going to see that a lot better when there's order books, right? And you can see the, the transparency in the price. But why don't you pick up on this, Jay? Like, what are your thoughts generally on, on uh, I guess, Stanford's concerns here? Yeah, I mean, Stanford's right, you know. I mean, one thing he's definitely right about is that the dividend structure does not follow the market rise in any way, shape, or form. And I find that very, very interesting. You know, if I know that I'm going to be receiving a fixed amount of money from Football Index on a daily basis on players that will almost always return you capital uh, or a return on investment it just makes sense to continue to consolidate on that however even with the share split that's coming and, and, and player prices going down i think the 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 feeling that this percentage increase you know you see in the trending list that a player's gone up 85 percent and it's only gone up by like 8p and people just get so hard over that and it's like oh yeah i'm in for 600 or i'm in for 800 <laughs> I do agree that, you know, to some degree, especially in those lower price points, those are, you know, sort of prime candidates for pump and dumps. And, and, and it's difficult because I don't know if, you know, the majority of the market, I don't necessarily think the strategy for majority of the market is is long-term holds. And I guess that works well for the index because, you know, it's just a commissions-based game for them. But, you know, I do agree with Stanford's point, the fact that, you know, maybe people do actually think that lower players are going to rise much quicker, which they do, but they also fall much quicker as well. However, the market is is such a mix of so many strategies and 
you know, it seems like whichever, whichever strategy you pick in the long term, you're probably eventually going to make profit anyway. So I don't know if there's much that would be done about it, but I do agree with him that, you know, to some degree, the market should rise organically based on what value a player can return. And what you generally tend to find with those players is that you still get a bit of capital appreciation. And like you said, that price anchoring as well is real because it takes a lot for a player to drop, especially when they're that high up, especially when you consider the fact that, you know, you can enter them again at a lower point that maybe you did three weeks ago and still win the same amount of dividends. These players always, I think, would thereabouts. How many times have we had rumors about Neymar and Pogba in the last year or two and everyone expects them to die, but they drop and then they go back to even a higher point than they were before and they just always continually trend upward. So, you know, I fully agree with him, but I think what you're still going to find out is that the market is going to, you know, they're going to psychologically look at, you know, ooh, 100% dividend rise on a player like it's the holy grail these days and kind of continue to stick on pumping and dumping, well, on buying lower price players. But I think it's always a speculative buy. And I think a player, you know, you buy a lower price player hoping that they'll rise. And I think you tend to find out that after a while, they don't rise as expected. And then people sell their positions in them. And that's why the degress lists is always looking very, very sort of funky on a day-to-day basis. So in conclusion, mm-hmm. you know, Stanford's point is right. But I do not think that the market is going to necessarily change over the next few years. And, you know, he says it's a house of cards, but what you tend to find out is that, yeah, there's a lot of money in those lower price players, but it's again spread across a huge number of people as well. I think, I don't think the same people who are always buying these lower price players are making the same profit day in, day out on the rises. So there's a lot of money there, but I do struggle to think that it's going to sort of in the sort of blink of an eye necessarily sort of disappear or vanish because someone's like oh actually i'm tired of this now let me go into the sort of data driven sort of players i don't think it's going to happen that quickly personally anyway yeah yeah it's it's definitely uh, an interesting one and i guess house of cards is an interesting way to put it those players can collapse really quickly as, as you mentioned there jay and it doesn't take that much capital for them to actually just fall really 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 fast and people can get burned Annie what's your take look uh, there's hardly anything you can do to how people perceive risk risk is personal to each individual trader someone might look at uh, say hazard's price or uh, Mbappe's price and and look at it and say look if I put in this amount of money now this guy has risen from three pounds to six pounds uh, in the last year. Uh, if he gets a really bad injury, he might fall two, two pounds. And that's, that would be what? I went to that five pounds. That could be 40, 50% of my money gone and be put off at going, at going in at such a high price, given the fact that you are putting in quite a, a large volume of money into one player who, and that capital is concentrated in that player. And if something went wrong with that player, then my capital is, is more at risk than if I took that same amount of money and put it into a player, a, a lower price player who has less of the heights to fall from. I'm spread across a, a larger volume of players. So again, it depends on the, your perception of risk and you can't really tell people how to perceive risk. People will perceive it the way they want to perceive risk. So yeah, I, I mean... That's all I can say towards that point. And to the bit about House of Cards, <laughs> I don't really see what Stanford is getting at there. I mean, just look at players like uh, Zlatan a couple of years ago. How is that not ha- a House of Cards? Or uh, a Rooney? 
or who else has fallen and, and never recovered. One thing goes wrong with a player, a bad injury, you think someone's going to be there, and they just come crashing down. To say, you know, down at the lower price players is built, built on the house of cards, and somehow the guys at the top are not. I don't really see that. Yet there might be an appetite, say, to rebuy to a player like a Pogba or a Neymar, but not everybody would actually be in that position to be able to once somebody falls, if you understand what I'm saying. If someone had 600 quid, slammed all that into Pogba, and Pogba died, and that person panicked and came out, then, you know, where's the chance for me to recover? In, In my case, other people might be able to take advantage of the situation, but not everybody will be able to because of just by the volume of or the amount of capital they have on available to put on the on the market. But if that same person took that money and put into a lower price player, um, even if that person fell, the effect of that fall will not be the same as if a bomber fell and the person panicked and came out. Um, so people would perceive risk in different ways. I know Stanford is one of the larger players on the market, and what he considers as healthy profit to him. Other people only dream of that amount, <laughs> dream of making that amount of money on the on the market, and so he, someone like himself, who is established already, will be more comfortable at the top of the market. While other people who are joining, surely, if you put ourselves in the shoes of new people on, on the market, very few of them would have that sort of confidence to be able to just take money and just slam it in uh, right at the top of the market. There's one of my friends. Uh, who we have been, I've been trying to convince to join the... I mean, I absolutely lost football. And for the last three years since we've been on the market, been trying to convince him to join the market, join the market, join the market. Like, this thing is brilliant. He eventually joins, and he doesn't want to go anywhere near the top of the market. No, he doesn't want to know about it. Don't even tell me. I don't care how much how much balls and media, Pogba and Neymar are going to win. I'm not touching that, <laughs> because that's the way he's perceiving the risk. The prices are high. Imagine if I told him to join the index and he put all that money into Neoma and that rape allegation came out, right? I mean, it will be in bits. <laughs> you know? It, yeah. It, so it, it's, it, I mean, I get where Stanford is coming from. There's more value from holding the big guys in the long term. But not everybody's going to be able to see it that way just by the virtue of the time they've been on the market and how much money they have in the market and what their risk appetite. Are they happy to lose this money if somebody you know, something happens to Neymar, you know, he can't play anymore, Bogba has it. Um, so the market will never be logical and people will never be able to see risk the exact same uh, through the market. So that's my... Wow. I think you guys have said literally everything that I wanted to say, which is good. Um, <laughs> but it means I've got nothing else to say on this question. So Stanford, I hope you enjoy the kind <laughs> of like 15-minute monologue that uh, both these guys uh, went down to, to, to answer this because I think it was really, really good. Some awesome value there. Um, FI Headhunter, do you think Manchester United will or should continue to score higher for media buzz, even though they are no wrong, longer so irrelevant, no longer irrelevant, they are now larger odds to win the Premier League, 66 to 1, than Jeremy Corbyn is to win the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> so, um, so, so yeah, let's talk a bit about like the media buzz matrix with the United bias. Do you guys think that FI will at some point look to rectify what could be considered uh, ridiculous in, in, in some people's minds in terms of a product? Well, should it be done? Uh, firstly, how would you in principle distinguish when, I mean, you could just say anything that says Manchester United, just cut it out and yeah, okay. Well, it's the, I, it's I, the I, word I, United, though, enough, isn't it, Annie? 
yeah, that's what I'm saying. So how would you distinguish between when United is used to... It's a, it's a, yeah, I was asking a silly question. But yeah, you can easily say discount when you see United come after Manchester from the boss calculation. It's easily done. I, I, well, I think it should be easily done. Look, if you're looking at it logically, that would be the right thing to do. Whether it's going to get done or not, I mean, that's for FI to answer. Like, United players are open to all to buy, <laughs> knowing what the slightly unfair advantage that they have. So for now that that sort of uh, glitches there, um, go ahead. If you feel a United player is going to be in the news, go ahead and jump on. Um, but if you're looking at it from a logical standpoint to make things more straightforward and fair and to take away any undue advantage um, by names, then it makes sense for FI to correct that. What are you going to do about Gabriel Jesus? As an example, what are you going to do in that case? You know, by virtue of his name, he has an an unfair advantage. Deal with it by Jesus. <laughs> Same thing with Victor Lindelof. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, did Jesus it, it, get additional points on the yeah. yeah, man. Oh, for yeah. real? Yeah. yeah. How did I not know that? Yeah. Have oh, you forgotten when? Uh, You're slacking, Jay. Have you forgotten when Jesus first came to England and he was scoring all those goals? And he was all over the balls. Like, well, literally. he's been picking up some buzz for this since oh, Neymar's been injured. He's scored a few goals yeah. in the Copa America, hasn't yeah, he? Copa America. Like, yeah. even if you, I think he, he he placed in the top five the other day, didn't he? So yeah, no, he did. Yeah. He's definitely uh, he's definitely got that bit of you know advantage to him. Yeah. But Jay, Jay, what would you like the media buzz matrix to become in the future? If you're the guy tasked with um, improving the product on the media buzz side, what would you do? It's a very very big sort of assumption to say Pogba I mean Pogba won in the last year £2 and 9p worth of dividends I mean are we trying to say all £2 and 9p worth of those dividends were due to the United multiplier not necessarily is it likely due to the fact that he appears in the news and the media like him yes the buzz is based on positive sentiments in the media that's always been been the rule and yeah Man United were nowhere near the league last season Man City, I don't see a single Man City player in the top 10. Okay, well, Raheem Sterling, 38p buzz in the last year. Mesut Ozil, one more than him. What did Ozil do? It's interesting, you know, how we would want it to be. But to some degree, as far as, you know, media buzz, I don't necessarily think is linked with ability of a player as such. Balotelli will probably have been winning the media buzz all the time when he was in Man City because he appeared in the media the most. The only thing maybe you might want to change is maybe get rid of that sentiment analysis and just create a base score for a player for every time they appeared in the news. I don't know if you see what I mean. So mm. every news article just got a fixed, a fixed point. But again, people will complain about that. You know, it's like, it's a very difficult one, I think, to manage for, for everyone as such. And I just think, I don't think it's broken to some degree. I think the victors and the Jesuses and all of that stuff are like anomalies. I, I would say it's not the general notion of it. Obviously, they need to be better at representing players. You know, I know that the Rodri issue, for example, he's not been, been shown as much, even though he's probably appeared in the news a lot. You know, Vinicius Jr. That's what Football Index, I think, need to get right. Just get that consistency across the board. But in terms of the mechanics of it, I, I don't necessarily see why they should change it because I think if they change it again, it will definitely garner much more complaints as well from people who probably like it the way it is and have arranged their portfolio to fit the new system. So, yeah, 
difficult one, but I think yeah. Man United players will still continue to potentially clean the buzz. And who knows if Newcastle United start to do well, maybe I might buy, you know, get going for some John Joe Shelby, maybe, you know, <laughs> get some buzz on him too. You just never know. Yeah, wouldn't like to be holding any, well, I won't say that, but wouldn't like, you know, Newcastle players I'm not too yeah, sure about sure. after Rafa Benitez <laughs> going. And, um, but yeah, like, uh, I think with the media buzz side of things, I think there is a lot that they could do. Yeah, so I think, you know, Manchester United, their bias is, uh, is clear to see to everyone. But I think maybe what FI could do is, if there is a change to maybe avoid the complaints, and I've said this quite a few times, is, Maybe you look at a um, dividend increase to try and like allay some of that pain that people will feel. So it's there's no 100% way to do it so that everyone's happy. But I do think that there's maybe a way that we can refine it or FI can refine it so that in the future there's going to be Spanish and German and French outlets and Italian outlets that get con- uh, that contribute points. And it's not just UK centred. So I don't know. Annie, have you got anything else to say on this point? I think I'm with I'm with Jill on this one. It's uh, it's a bit difficult. I think if if they could keep, I think every trader would be happy if they kept the top five uh, through the season. Uh, just putting that there. <laughs> but we, we can think, think wishfully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But look, just fix some of the obvious obvious things. I remember uh, sending a tweet out, basically complaining that uh, the number of Alex Sanchez. Um, Articles were missing and I hadn't encountered any buzz. And at the end of the day, they still didn't pick it up. I think that annoys people a bit more than, you know, this uh, this United thing or this Victor thing or this Jesus thing. Uh, just ensuring that they are capturing all news feeds and missing news feeds becomes something of an exception rather than what it seems to be like the norm. I think that that would make people a lot happier with things like, I mean, what are you going to do with like a Lindelof or a Victor? Or, uh, I mean, those are their names. <laughs> and Victor can be used to, to describe someone when they win. What are you going to do? Um, mm. It's just an inherent flaw in the system that gives yeah. certain people uh, an advantage. And I don't think we should, FI should yeah. be slotted for that. First of all, this is not a system that they have created themselves. This is a system that they are just like the, the performance board boards where they're getting the feed from Opta. This is the exact same thing where they're getting the, the news, the, the feedback uh, from from board boards guru. So it's it's a difficult one. If they are to go for anything, it's ensuring that they're capturing, they, they work with the providers to ensure that they're capturing everybody's news feed. I think that would give people a lot more confidence in in the system. I mean, just a quick 30-second one. Just to say, yeah, um, the market has, has grown since where it was when we first started with only 200 players. He's got players in other leagues now. So I think the one thing they can quickly do is open, like you said, um, Fig, open up the news uh, outlets to more than just the English papers because then that would be a bigger way of getting, maybe representing a lot more of the players on the index. And that might please more traders going forward. Well, yeah. Uh, just on, on the flip side on that, totally agree Again, it's a logical thing to do, but uh, how do you then, I mean, how do you then ensure that people are not manipulating the market? How, how do you ensure that someone is not going to go to, say, someone in France or Italy? I mean, I don't know how far you want to extend No, I, mean, I, I guess I meant respected yeah. art, newspaper outlets, yeah. I guess, yeah. So the same way you've yeah. got your, you know, 
express here it would be whatever yeah. the equivalent of it and you'd like to hope no one had that much sway over mm. people in other countries you, you never know <laughs> yeah. you know you might be right but yeah it would have to yeah. be trusted i guess newspaper articles yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah don't we all love the express um, <laughs> um, we've got one last question here Will G from uh, the Index Slack community which is an interesting one uh, which clubs are historically good at producing and developing youth players to target on FI so what clubs usually produce quite good players that you guys like to keep a good eye on who, who are the soft spots in your, in your heart and, um, you just have to look, in, look at the last uh, few years uh, obviously this season Ajax again I go back to the patience thing uh, the one that really, really stung me was uh, David Nares. Mm. Uh, back in January, you know, there were rumors of him, I think, going to China. Yeah. His price fell. I think I had a thousand at that point. I knew that this guy wasn't going to go there. I think I was trying to convince a few other people in, in the group that he wasn't going anywhere. Uh, people didn't believe. He got back to a price where I was able to recover my capital. I knew I was doing the absolute wrong thing at this time. While I was selling, I knew I was doing the wrong thing because, I, I mean, I knew the potential of the Ajax team. And I still sold. And what happened? He gets back into Ajax team, begins to score goals, Ajax go on a flyer. In Europe, and his price has, has more than gone up three times. I'm sitting on the sidelines watching while people are making profits, which is really cool. <laughs> So yeah, look, going back to the question, your, your usual suspect, your Ajax, your, the, the Ajax, your, the Monaco, I think Monaco would recover this season. I think they would do a bit of what uh, Dortmund did uh, this just last season. They struggled the season before mm. and you see them recover. I expect Monaco to do exactly something similar this year in France. Uh, it would be difficult for them to topple PSG, but I expect them to recover quite a bit. Those three clubs, I mean, for me, Ajax, Monaco, and Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Chelsea, they loan out everybody, so it always helps to keep an eye on <laughs> who Chelsea is sending out, you know, so, yeah. Jay, dare I say Arsenal these days? Um, oh, I, I don't really know. I mean, but then again, you look at the data and Joe Willock and um, uh, Reese Nelson have, have, have gone up the funny things, I've never actually looked at it by clubs, if that makes any sense. The, mm-hmm. the research I've usually tended to do is look at in clubs in the Premiership or clubs who have loaned out players to other teams who are doing well. So, you know, for Chelsea, for example, Mason Mount, uh, Liverpool, Harry Wilson, who went, who went abroad. But again, looking at the sort of price increases over the last year, you know, it's kind of important to try on what, you know, I want to try and use past data to really influence future decisions you know when you look at the players Callum Hudson-Odoi before the start of last season you know highly rated player in the Chelsea youth setup and eventually the news came on that I was going to start playing more regularly I think you know with Jaden Sancho I guess Declan Rice to some degree uh, Reese Nelson I think the one thing you're going to probably find out or I'm going to be doing anyway is looking at teams during pre-season especially the big teams. The players who are usually close to the first team are those who you'd see being given a lengthy run in preseason. So, you know, because the way I see if I'd done the same last year and I'd bought Callum Hudson-Odoi, I'd have been buying him uh, 379p cheaper. You know, when you think about that, that's nuts. And said I'd kept a thousand of that and held on to him. I mean, again, it's obviously a gamble. He might not have performed, but the risk there is low and the upside is huge. Sorry, are you talking about risk? Risk of a low line player being 
Small. Yeah, like, you know, if it doesn't do well, you know, you're not going to lose that much. because no, I, was just, I was just throwing shit at Stanford, that's all. Oh, right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, it's, it's still valid points, but <laughs> the reward is high. So with a lot of these things, it's all about research. I think the people who really make the money on here are those who do their research, you know, long in advance and, and take their positions relatively very early. And I think it's going to be the same now. And I think it's just... Yeah, getting all the information you can to follow the big clubs in preseason and try and find out which of the players are doing well. You know, Danny Ceballos, you know, if he doesn't play for Madrid next season and, you know, he ends up going somewhere, you know, it's likely that wherever he goes, he will do well. You know, Giovanni Lo Celso, who was in PSG as well, ended up going to Real Betis and did very well in dividends there. There's always going to be new players coming in every season. And I think mm, that's the mm. benefit of, of it. A lot of people now are armed with that information to be able to say, you know, I could take a pun on this player and the worst case is that I lose a few quid if I'm wrong, but I, I make a whole lot more if I'm right. So why wouldn't you go for it? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to add to Jay in terms of doing your research and knowing who is when IPO season returns, doing your research and knowing who is coming up and who is, you know, who, is, who has the potential to, to possibly fly. Uh, a reminder of the price at which Jordan Sancho came into the market. Do you guys remember? No, no, I no. don't actually. No, he came in at thirty p old money. <laughs> so ten p this 30, money, right? Ten p this money. Just think about that. Ten <laughs> p, crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. um, and people who knew you have done your research, you knew about this guy. Why Man City were a bit upset? Why he left? If you had all that information, you know, stacked up. You knew who was coming, mate. Like you would have just packed your bottom every single thing you had into that. Even after the IPO, I think it only went went up to like ninety p and stayed there for a while. So that's thirty p, thirty p new money. Just think about how much money you could have made now just after a season, a season and a half. It's crazy. There's definitely value in. If I could find someone who is really good on football manager. I'll definitely be paying a few bucks for the person to do my research for me, <laughs> you know. So, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think um, stuff like that makes you uh, feel a weird feeling in your stomach, right? Don't it? Ten p to five pound forty or whatever it is now. Where some people have done extremely, extremely well, but I think maybe Leon or another team that have kind of uh, developed really well players recently um Leverkusen as well uh, a few german teams are doing quite well in the youth development side of things so i think it's going to be really interesting to see who are going to be some of those players that you mentioned Danny and Jay you know um the likes of Lacelso who who break onto the scene the likes of a James Madison who has his really good first season who are those next guys who are going to break onto the scene and, and make lots of money for lots of traders but i appreciate we're coming up to about one hour 20 minutes now so uh yes yeah, it's, uh, it's been really good fun but have you guys any uh, anything else you want to get off, off your chest before you, you go off the line i was probably going to mention it'll be interesting to see you know how the norwich fullbacks do aaron's and um jamal mm. lewis uh depending on, on on if either way if they don't if they don't end um, up making the teams um make a game a transfer they're still in the norwich are in the league right yeah. Make sure had my facts straight, <laughs> you know, and and see how they perform. I think again, those might be players, you know, with good performances. England call ups, you know, who knows where they might be in in January? And there's probably a few other players like that coming up. So, yeah, lots of options. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I like the I like the pump really nice. <laughs> I like the, low, the last minute, the last minute. Just an alternate plug. It couldn't know, resist. Like an hour and twenty minutes. Five just came in with a, with a banger in there. That's it. <laughs> but yeah, no, just yeah, just the full platform. Keep enjoying it. Uh, do your research, and always, always, I keep saying, market rewards you when you are patient. Uh, and for me, I, I can't. Something I'm always guilty of. I always give the advice, but I end up not following my advice. Uh, <laughs> but it's the best way to do your research, follow your gut, stay patient, and you would have a quite a profitable time on the index. And and his three laws of uh, <laughs> football <laughs> index laws. There. Uh, where can people find out more about you guys? Where can they find you on Twitter and stuff? Uh, FI Great. I'm not. Uh, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm a bit bullish on the. On Twitter, so yeah, you can find me there if I get. Um, uh, myself, it's uh, Jean Pierre underscore IV. Um, I'm active on Twitter, but you, I don't really have a lot of football index related tweets. I, I do tweet where I can, but you probably see a lot of Love Island tweets over now in the next three weeks if you're <laughs> interested in finding out what's been what's been going on. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm again um, there to help anyone who sort of has any questions, and I've had a few people sort of slide into my DMs. Um, over the past um, few months asking for advice so yeah please feel free to to ask questions and i'll be happy to help <laughs> amazing yeah thanks very much for coming back on guys uh, returning for the third time that's 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 something in itself if you guys are on your commute right now well you probably made your commute and back considering the length of this podcast if you guys aren't commuting doing whatever you're doing i hope you find a, a fun-filled activity that takes you about an hour and 20 minutes to fill that with a good fit fit cast and sorry we didn't get to answer all your questions there were loads and uh yeah we we obviously had a few miscellaneous ones at the start so sorry if you guys thought that was a waste of time took a, a big tangent there talking about banking scams and all that uh but it was all good fun hope you guys enjoyed it thank you very much for listening and have a great day Bye.